We've been in this series, uh, The Story of God, and uh, one of the reasons that I wanted us to spend some time with this is because um, stories are powerful, and uh, the stories that we tell really can impact the world around us. Cultures are created, cultures are transformed, and cultures are sustained by the stories that they tell. And so I want us to think about what's the story that we tell and we're using as our text uh, the Bible, which um, has 1,189 chapters in it. And uh, we, we've been talking about how um, humankind made it two chapters in, and the story went south. Okay, and we've, we've kind of used this board as a way to describe some of that. Now, from the very beginning, like uh, prior to the beginning, eternity past and eternity uh, forward, we've talked about, uh, we looked at the first week about how God exists as one God in, in three persons. And the, the, uh, the Bible doesn't use the word Trinity, uh, but the matrix does. And uh, no, but it is a, it's a picture of, of oneness uh, but it's a manyness in the oneness. There's a, a word, ikad, that describes this, this manyness that is still a oneness. And so God is existing in, in the three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And we were created in the image of a God um, who models forever oneness. And we use these different bands to uh, for different... Uh, aspects of that so the blue is God the Father <clears throat> the red um, as Jonathan has so w uh, well pointed out is uh, God the Son Jesus and then we have the green the Holy Spirit and so so they existed in, in perfect oneness and the plan all along was for us to exist in perfect oneness with God as well um, we uh, and and out of that oneness with God, we experience oneness with one another, oneness with creation, and that oneness, that wholeness within ourselves. And uh, and like I said, we made it very, um, we did not make it very far into into the story before we see. Uh, it's a very crowded world at the beginning. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. Um, <laughs> We're going to kind of lean into, for the most part today, um, uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit as a part of the story. Um, so we didn't make it very far into this story before we experienced the pain of otherness, the pain of separation. And it's referred to in, in a variety of ways, the fall of man, but uh, what, what happened is that we were no longer living the way that we were created and designed to live, in oneness with our Creator. And the ache that we feel is this ache of separation. And we are um, separated from Him. And uh, the, the, the story of God is the story of how He is relentlessly at work to restore that oneness. He wants more than anything for us to be back into that, that redemptive, he wants to reconcile us to oneness. And so we've looked at different ways that, that God comes to us. And of course, the big one that 
that we think about is this, uh, the way God came to us in the way of Emmanuel, God with us, the birth of Christ. And this was a, a huge moment, obviously, in history. And so much of, of our story kind of hinges on this. But as, uh, as you may have seen, this is not uh, going to be the story of God for just a few minutes. It's going to be the story of Gary, okay? And so some of you are thinking, well, there's no need to take notes now. Um, <laughs> but uh, let me tell you about uh, the story of Gary. Um, I grew up um, with this, uh, this understanding that, that God loved me and God sent his son for me. I, I grew up in a home that um, believed much of what the Bible had to say about that. That was taught to me. Uh, the church that I went to um, regularly, regularly was, was talking about this. Um, I was also in a church that highlighted, um, <clears throat> that highlighted this part of my life. <laughs> um, there was a lot of talk about um, how I was separated from God. Um, and how that impacted my life, and I, I felt that, I knew that, um, but there were several people in my life that regularly reminded me of that, <clears throat> and then um, there was a lot of talk about this and this, and by this and this, I mean there was a lot of talk about where, if anywhere, does your story, Gary, where does it intersect with Jesus? Have you received Jesus? Have you um, invited him into your life? This is a huge moment. And, uh, and then there was also a lot of talk about, um, as the Bible would say, um, Jesus someday again is, if we can stretch Jesus enough, again, I'm getting some good workouts in. Um, someday he's coming again. And so it was like these, these were really big events that uh, we needed to be prepared for. But then this is where I really found myself struggling. What, what am I doing in the meantime? And as I struggled, as I continued to feel this ache of separation, I was convinced that maybe I didn't do this right. And so I found myself over and over going back to this, well, maybe, maybe I didn't understand it enough. Maybe I didn't word it right. Maybe um, I'm just struggling to understand the scope of this <clears throat> because I felt like if I got this right, then, then things should be okay here because thank you, I'm thankful for Jesus, but, and I wouldn't have said it this way, but thank you, Jesus, for your help. I got it from here. If, I, if I'm really honest, that was kind of what a lot was, was going through my head. And so the, the struggle that I was feeling was that um, I didn't fully understand when the Bible talked about salvation, that it's not talking about just a point in time, it's talking about a lifestyle. God is inviting us into a new lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle that will very much be like this lifestyle of oneness that we were created for and so as we engage in this lifestyle of salvation we begin to realize that there is an ongoing aspect to it and and again the struggle that I found 
was that I would hear that there is this life of, um, we've described it in different ways, of wholeness. Uh, the Bible uses the word shalom. Jesus talked about the kingdom. There's different ways for us to think about this, this life, this redemptive life that we are reunited to. <clears throat> but I really struggled with the ups and downs that were associated with that. <clears throat> Excuse me, and figured it was probably <clears throat> me and something in my voice. I was doing it. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, so, so we have, thank you. Um, so we have a cat. Um, our cat's name is Lewis. Uh, Lewis is nearing a year old, I think. And uh, Lewis is, uh, is definitely an extrovert. Um, we, he did take the Myers-Briggs test, and uh, we have deemed him um, definitely an extrovert. And so um, he does not do well when he goes long stretches by himself. And like so many other pets that people got during COVID, they got used to us being around all the time. And when we're not, he is really mean. Um, we come back and there's stuff pulled off of shelves and... and <laughs> things like that and and when when you when you first come home or first get up in the morning something like that um, I've learned that I can't walk through my house because he's doing this weaving in and out underneath and I'm afraid I'm going to step on him so literally I shuffle my feet going down the hallway especially in the morning I'm trying to get some coffee I'm like Lewis just a moment please um but at the the deal is um he, uh, obviously does not like being left alone. Um, it, when we get in the car, it's so sad. He'll jump up in the window. <laughs> and he's just giving us that stare like, you're abandoning me. Um, I left the window open one time and I heard him say, Eli, Eli, Lana Sabachthani. <laughs> Preacher joke, totally. There's no, you do not feel obligated to, to laugh. Um, so for roughly three years, Jesus had, um, in particular, a, a really close-knit band of followers that were, like, with him every step of the way, weaving in and out. I, I kind of wonder if Jesus, every once in a while, was just like, okay, need a little bit of time here. Walking with him at all times, and then... Jesus said to them, hey, I'm going to go away for a while. And the disciples find themselves in the window looking out going, what do we do now? They realized with this deep friendship that they had with Jesus that for him to go away, I mean, this was going to be an ache, a deep ache. I'm going to miss him. And so I'm going to reread that passage that I um, opened up our service with. And this time I want you to hear it and just enter into the story in a way that maybe you can imagine and, and feel the ache that the disciples might have felt in that moment as Jesus is describing, hey, I'm going to go away for a while. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Isn't it great that he starts with that? He knows this is going to be difficult. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, uh, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we we don't know where you're going. You kind of sense a little kind of a frantic tone in his voice in that. At least that's the way I imagine this. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And maybe at that point they were like, there he goes again with one of those phrases that really, (laughs) what does that mean? They're just feeling this deep ache. Jesus continues, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he's saying, basically, I will not leave you helpless. I'm going to send you a helper. And I don't think the disciples could even begin to comprehend all that that meant. But this is what Jesus was talking about. Yes, I'm going to go back um, to the Father. Um, so he is, he is describing to them um, what this journey is going to be like for him. And then he says, um, the Spirit, I am leaving with you, the Helper, is who I am leaving with you. Continuing on, um, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. So let me kind of, just a little bit, what does that mean? Why, why would they be glad? Well, because if they really understood what Jesus gave up to come to this earth, they would be really excited. Wow, you get to go back into the presence of your Father um, to resume that heavenly glory that was yours, that you did not cling to or grasp um, selfishly too. And so he's, he's kind of saying, you know, if you can step outside of your own little story for just a moment here, I think you would be really excited about the fact that I am going away. <clears throat> and then uh, the word is used a couple of times here, uh, helper or advocate, and uh, it's, it's talking about literally uh, coming alongside. Jesus is saying, I'm going to have someone that's going to come alongside you, to be with you in that way. Um, so what we read about oftentimes in the New Testament, we've talked about how there's, there's small stories within the big story, and how many of those stories either describe the ache of separate otherness or a longing for oneness, um, every story includes something along those lines or how Jesus um, has, has made a way possible for us to experience oneness again, God's relentless pursuit of, of coming to us. And so I want us to think about this word helper for just a minute. Um, 
me use my daughter as an illustration for this um, because she's not here. And that's, that's what happens. Kids don't show up to church. Dad uses them for illustrations. Not good ones either. Um, so um, it, Beth and I joked that Callie's first word that she said was self. Now, it wasn't, but this was like some of, the, some of the first sentences she put together were self, daddy, self. In other words, she did not need any help. And that would lead to great frustration on her part, but she would continue to insist, self, daddy, self. Um, and we would back off and let her get frustrated and, and all of that. But... Um, Let me ask this question and, and to answer back to me. Why is it so hard for us to ask for help? Pride? Yeah. Stubbornness? What? Somebody? Oh, okay. When people, yeah. So if you've been in a, if your story has been nobody's ever helping you, then that gets in your head. Yep, okay, wow, okay. Ah, yes. Um, w Wendy said uh, one reason we don't ask for help is because we don't think they can do it as good as we could do it ourselves. Yeah. Or maybe it was just they can't do it as good as Wendy can do it. That's usually what I say. <laughs> Thank you for trying to help me, but Wendy would do better. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, it's a control thing. Yeah. It's I've got control of the wheel. Um, and if I ask for help, that might mean my hand's got to come off the wheel. Yeah, what else? Vul yeah, just I think vulnerability is just kind of that blanket over asking for help. Ooh, not worth helping. Yeah. yeah. Disappointment. Oh, so if, if someone does help, it's not going to meet your expectations? Oh, and they you ask for help and they don't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Looking incompetent. We don't want other people to see that we don't have all the answers, that we don't have it all together. We live in a culture that praises independence I mean successful people are people who have learned to make it on their own and don't need other people I mean we we kind of lean into what's that yeah the self-made man and that that it, there is a um, there is a stigma with that where God created us the challenge is God created us to live with a helper. God created us not for independence, but for interdependence. We were created for this oneness. And um, sometimes we push against it. And a lot of times we, we, we push against it. Um, I was at the, at the gym um, earlier this past week and was, uh, was doing uh, bench press because that's really all that guys ever do at the gym is uh is that and uh um i wasn't planning on going like super heavy or anything but um i had gotten to a point where i realized if i put too much more weight on this i'm 
I might not be able to get it off my chest or my neck or wherever it stops, you know. And uh, this other guy, I learned, his name is Pete, <coughs> um, came over and said, hey, I'm, I'll give you a spot and you can try some more weight. And that was just enough for me to give it a go. And I actually did a, uh, well, I would call it a personal best. It's a personal best since I turned old um, <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> there was a time when maybe that would have been a warm-up set. But, um, but because Pete said he would help, and I want you to know, I, I, I said, no, I got it like three times. And he kept on saying, well, they, but I, I bet if I help you, you could do a little bit more. And, and I did, and he was right. And that's a good story f- for the weight room, but it, it, it seeps into how I live my life. My story oftentimes is, I got this. Or if I can just figure out this part right here, then I'm going to be all right. And I circle back to that over and over. And what I've found is um, I am a car that gets terrible gas mileage. I am the type of person that cannot run very long in my own power. And it's a, it's a painful discovery. Um, you, you find yourself on the side of the road, so to speak, a number of times, and you're just totally out of gas. Um, the, uh, the move that uh, my wife and kids and I made from, uh, from Alabama to California, well, uh, they, um, they flew on a plane, and I thought it would be a lot of fun to drive my 1971 Ford uh, truck um, and uh, 2,500 miles, and it was a lot of fun, but I, it was, I knew it was going to be tough because the truck was old, and um, it smoked uh, quite a bit when it ran. That was how I knew it was running. Uh, it smoked, but um, I, I had it planned out to uh, for like a seven-day trip, and I averaged only about like 250, 300 miles a day. There were some days that I, I drove quite a bit more than that, but for the most part, I kept it short, and I, I would only drive in 100-mile increments because um, my gas tank had a leak in it at a little <laughs> bit over halfway in the tank. So I could really only fill it up halfway. Otherwise, I'm just blessing the highway <coughs> as I go down. And so uh, there was that. And then the fact that um, I was burning a quart of oil about every 100 miles. So I would stop every 100 miles, um, would put half a tank of gas in and another quart of oil. And then I'd look at my map and figure out where the next gas station or O'Reilly's was and then <laughs> go about another 100 miles. So I, I did that for, for seven days. And um, eventually, eventually I made it. Um, I, I need, and my life is better when I feel like I, I need the Holy Spirit that much in my life. I don't, it, it's hard for me to admit that I can't make it from Alabama to California all on my own or from wherever to wherever, figuratively speaking. I'm realizing that I I don't get good gas mileage. I don't make it very far before I realize I'm running on fumes. Um, And I I, I don't think there is a, 
there's not a, okay, you have to read your Bible <clears throat> and pray every day. It doesn't necessarily say that in the Bible. Um, some of us just realize we need that. We need it. Yes. Pray without ceasing. So um, you know, I, somebody shared something interesting with me about that. And <clears throat> in Greek literature outside of the Bible, that without ceasing is a word that's used to describe, ironically, a hacking cough. <laughs> like, ah, oh, just, <clears throat> and just can't quite. And so it's this, yeah, it is this picture of, again, and again, we come back to him. And I, I think we were created for moment-by-moment moment dependence on the Holy Spirit. We were created to say, yeah, I, I need a spot. We were created in such a way that we really, we might think we got this next lift on our own. But God's saying, I want to be with you. And the Holy Spirit is his way of saying, I am with you at all times. And with this, um, we have to admit that there are some things that we cannot do apart from the, the power of the Holy Spirit. There are some things that we just cannot do in our own strength, or at least we cannot do consistently in our own strength. Try this one on. Um, loving people that get on our nerves. We can kind of maybe give ourselves a pep talk and get through that one day of work with that person. To actually have an attitude of love, willing the good of that other person, day in and day out, that's not something that I can do on my own. But God says, that, that is how I want you to live your life. And he's not like, okay, you just figure it out on your own. He's like, let's, let's do this together. <clears throat> and as we walk with the Holy Spirit, and as he does this work in us, we find that we are um, not just occasionally able to do some things that we couldn't do on our own, but we can naturally do things consistently that we were unable to do on our own. You could kind of think of them as um, the result or the fruit of the indwelling spirit. Paul gives us a list of what this is, the natural when we are walking and really leaning on, saying, God, I need your spot every step of the way. Um, I need your help, and I want us to do this together. The fruit of that is love. And if we think of it as this fruit of the Spirit is love, what does that fruit of love taste like? It tastes like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is something thank goodness, that God is able to do. It's a beautiful thing. And I want us to think about how challenging it can be for us to ask for help, but I also want us to think back. This time last week, um, I invited you to, um, every day at 3 o'clock, to stop and raise your hands as a picture of surrender. And if 3 o'clock didn't work, set a specific time 
the, the evening sacrifice. I was joking with Rebecca that if anybody saw my calendar, they would really think something's weird because I put an alarm in my calendar, um, evening sacrifice. So <laughs> like, what exactly is Gary doing? At the, yeah. Um, but it is, it's, it's a picture of surrender. It's just kind of coming back to that point in our day where we, we realize it's, it's not about me. I need some help. And so maybe in this week coming up, that continues to be a practice for you. Set that time daily to just kind of come back and be reminded, I need your help today. If, if the fruit of the Spirit is really going to be made known in a consistent and natural way, I, I need your help. And then I also want us to consider um, maybe just a simple breath prayer. And if you have a hard time asking for help, maybe the best prayer that you can pray is just two words. Spirit, help. Um, and breath prayers that I've, I've prayed, and, and I know from talking to many of you, it's kind of the same way. You, you, you choose a, a one word that you would say on the inhale and then your request on the exhale. Spirit, help. Spirit, help. And I believe that as we pray a prayer like that, that God will give us a desire for the Spirit's help. I think that is something that can grow in us. As we, um, as we prepare for communion, um, I want to remind you that Jesus himself, when he walked this earth, depended on the Holy Spirit. Jesus, of all people, we would think, would be like, here I am, I'm on earth, I got it. But he lived moment by moment in dependence on the Spirit, keeping him connected to the Father and the Father's will. Um, he was able to do, and scriptures show this in, in many ways, he did what he did by the Spirit's power. And specific, as we're thinking about communion, in Hebrews 9, uh, we read that it was the Spirit that enabled Jesus to offer himself as our sacrifice. Christ, through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without blemish to God. And then in Romans 8, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you so as you um, prepare to come to the table um, I want you to realize that this journey is is kind of a way of saying God I, I need your help um, taking these elements is a way that we say um, I couldn't save myself I couldn't fix myself um, I couldn't do this on my own I need your help. And it's just a simple, uh, it's, a, it's a symbol that also is a picture, again, of surrender. Saying, I, I am taking what, what you are offering because I couldn't do this on my own. Um, so let me, let me pray for us. And when you are ready, uh, make your way up. I'm going to move this, this board out of the way. Um, Tom and Lucas are going to lead us, but Maybe uh, just settle into that, that prayer, spirit help. 
Would you do that with me? On the inhale, spirit. Spirit means breath, as we sang about earlier, as Rebecca was talking about. God breathing into you, you inhale spirit. On the exhale, your request, help. Spirit, help. Spirit, help. Father, I thank you for the help that you have given us. I thank you for the help that you are giving us in this moment. Lord, I declare that I can't and I don't want to even try to take another step without your power. Lead us deeper into this dependence on you. Spirit, 